Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to episode 322 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week on my own once again because it was MCM Comic Con in Birmingham over the weekend. So I uh, haven't had a chance to put together a full show. Uh, so we've got some interviews and stuff coming up. I'm going to do some renewals and cancellations and I'll do some air dates at the end of the show again for you. But this is going to be more of an interview show with some of the stuff that I collected from MCM Birmingham, which was uh, wonderful to get back out there and uh, see people lots of great cosplay photos which have gone up on our instagram which is at geek town uk and instagram if you go and look up that and you can also find a whole bunch of videos which have gone up on youtube.com forward slash geek town you can go and find those up on there Uh, some of them are video versions of the interviews which are in here there is one it's 40 minutes long it's an interview with the wonderful lovely john John Rhys Davis, who you will probably best know as Gimli from Lord of the Rings. He was also in the TV show Sliders as well. And uh, we got told that we had 15 minutes with him and John had rather other ideas. (laughs) And uh, it ended up being like this long 40 minute interview. It went off on some wild tangents from the questions he was answered. He was glorious. He was wonderful. I'm not going to put the whole thing out on here, but it is up on YouTube. If you go to the YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash geek town for that. Going to jump straight in with renewals and cancellations. No cancellations this week as far as I can see. Couple of renewals. Channel 4 have renewed the Great British Bake Off for three more years. That includes all the surrounding ancillary shows as well. So lots and lots more Bake Off going to be around for at least three more years on Channel 4. So you'll be able to find all that. La Brea has been renewed for a second season at NBC in the US, which hasn't landed over here yet, although it is an NBC show, so you'd expect it to turn up on Sky at some point. This is the wonderfully bonkers series where a big sinkhole opens up in the middle of LA and a bunch of people fall into it and fall into some sort of primeval world. It sounds wonderfully weird and strange in the sort of vein of things like Zoo, but I am very much looking forward to that turning up at some point over here, but uh, we haven't got an air date for it yet. But that's La Brea and that's been renewed for a second season at NBC. We have got a bunch of uh, new air dates for shows as well. Uh, There's a bunch of things dropped literally today because Peacock is now being integrated onto Sky. So if you go on to the on-demand section on Sky Q, if you go on 
on to the catch-up section on Sky Go. I'm not sure where it is on some of the other things. It's also on now as well. You can find a Peacock section, which has got a whole bunch of TV shows on there. Some older, some newer, some that haven't aired here before. So there's things like Quantum Leap is up on there. If you want to go back and watch through the old episodes of things like Quantum Leap, Grimm is up on there. So you can go watch all those. There's a whole bunch of really awesome old content. Warehouse 13, I think, is there as well. In terms of the newer stuff, the Safe by the Bell remake is up there, so you can go and watch the first season of that. There is a comedy called Rutherford Falls, which is about two lifelong best friends who find themselves at a crossroads, quite literally, when their sleepy town gets an unexpected wake-up call. That's from Mike Saw, who's the guy that did The Good Place and uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, so I think that will probably be worth a watch. It stars Ed Helms, that comedy as well so that's Rutherford Falls I would go and check that out there's a couple of older shows which have actually been cancelled in the US as tends to happen with this but they are there filling out content there's Council of Dads which was uh, cancelled after one season but uh, that show is up on Peacock there is a show called The Village as well which is a drama about resident and an apartment building in Brooklyn that's also up on there so there's a whole bunch of different things there's lots and lots of content being added now to Sky under Peacock so you can go and find that it's up there right now it's on Sky Q. it's on now uh, i think it's on sky plus as well and you can find it on sky go so uh, go and check all that out over there that's all the new stuff around at the moment and all the news and bits and pieces now we're going to move on to some interviews imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So this weekend was MCM Comic Con in Birmingham. Second MCM Comic Con this year, first one being in London, which was a few weeks ago. And we've got Wales Comic Con as well, which is randomly in Telford, but uh, <laughs> we're not getting into that. Wales Comic Con coming next weekend as well. So there may be some more interview stuff next week as well. But this week at Birmingham, I got to sit down with the cast of the brilliant video game, Red Dead Redemption 2. We got three of the main cast members from that. So uh, Roger Clark, who plays Arthur Morgan, Rob Wynoff, who plays John Marston, and Peter Bloomquist, who plays Mika Bell. We'll start off with the interview with Roger Clark, who plays Arthur, who is the sort of main character in Red Dead Redemption 2. These were roundtable interviews, so it's not just me asking questions. You will hear other people as well. Here's the interview with Roger Clark. <laughs> Was with Red Dead Redemption 2, was that your first experience using mocap? No, no, I, I did it before here actually, uh, somewhere near Oxford, I believe. It was his first studio. It was a joint production by Rebellion Games and ADOS. And that was about 16 years ago. And we wow. did a game called Shell Shock 2, which is a lot of zombies and Vietnamese and Vietnam War. It was a lot of fun. And I was fascinated from then about, the, about that medium. It's fascinating to me. 
and to see the way the technology has progressed since has been a real privilege. It's, 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 I love it. I love performance capture. I love it a lot. As, and as it gets better and better, it just affords more and more freedom to the performers. It's really cool. It takes a lot of imagination, but it's, uh, I love it. Yeah. Russell from Radio News is up next. Uh, yeah, hi. Um, it's amazing to have you with us. Uh, obviously, during the panel, you know, it was very clear from the audience how much of a phenomenon this franchise is. And I think fans have been especially excited that we've had some tacit confirmation that the franchise is definitely continuing uh, from take two. The CEO, I think, sort of announced that's the plan. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's, that is that is now officially the position. Um, given that, I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about why you think the series is already such a big phenomenon and where you're hoping the future of the, the games takes us. Yeah, well, Westerns is, is always is the first film genre, I know, and uh, I think there's something about it that uh, that has a universal appeal, like expanding into the unknown, you know, and, and uh, living in a lawless world where it's you against nature and what have you. And I think those themes were carried on and Rockstar translated them beautifully into gaming, you know, and so much so that there hasn't really been in any other games approaching the Western genre the same way that Red Dead did. Uh, so to be a part of it has been a real, real massive privilege. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know where the... Go I think Arthur's story has definitely been told, you know, but what I... I I, I, I'm Strauss Selnick, he did confirm it, and I would be very surprised if we've seen the last of that of this franchise because, you know, their fans just responded so well to it. And I remember when we were working on Red Dead 2, and I, how much I was a big fan of the first Red Dead, and I was all I was going for was that it would be as liked as the first one. And I think we achieved that, so I'm very, very grateful. But where it would go from now, I have no idea, but I have all confidence in Rockstar Games and one of the things they never fail to do is to surprise, you know, and uh, they're, they're expert storytellers, and it was a joy working with them, and whether or not I'd be a part of it in the future, I, I have no idea, but I'm sure they're going to do a great job. Okay, so the next one is Ryan, go to Bibbomi. Hi, Ryan. Hello. Um, so video game technologies evolved rapidly over the last uh, few decades, and VAs are more important than ever, especially with performance capture now. Um, where do you think it's going to evolve next? Would you... Well, I think voice acting is still a significant part of it, but performance capture is becoming a bigger and bigger and ever-increasing section of it. You know, like 20 years ago, it was all exclusively voice acting. Maybe not exclusively, but performance capture is definitely here to stay. And, and like I was saying earlier, seeing that technology unfold in front of your very eyes... It's been a, a massive privilege, you know, and I'm just fascinated by the whole concept of it because you have a mocap studio and you're in Antarctica in the morning and you're in medieval England in the afternoon and all it changes really is the, the animators and the developers' imagination. So it's a fantastic medium. And even with COVID too, it's been, you know, it's a lot safer to work in a mocap environment than would you like a typical film set, you know, because you can cheat People don't need to be standing right next to each other. You know, the animators can do that in post. You can even change the camera angle in post if you want. You know, what you think could be a wide shot could actually turn into a close-up in the end. Um, so bearing that in mind, as, a, as an actor, you start to think, well, the, 
I know what they think this job might be now, but that could change in the future. So you tend to lean a bit more towards the theatrical than as little subtle little nuances of film of film performance. You know, it's really only in cut scenes where you get close ups. You know, and most of the time they're going for as wide a shot as possible, so that the the gamer can see as much of their environment as possible. So it does add for a bit more physicality, I think. Um, but you know, this. There's so many different ways to do it, and no studio does it. No two studios do it the same way, and it's really fascinating to see the way different people work and whatnot. I, I, I just see it becoming a bigger, bigger part of the of the video game industry, and we're starting to see that happen with the film industry now too. I think it's only a matter of time before we start seeing mocap suits filmed in tandem with on set. You know, we're we're kind of seeing that already with Mark Ruffalo and the yeah. as the Hulk and. And uh, I think Disney and Marvel have done yeah, some really fascinating and stuff. And, you know. and, I, I can, and now with Obi-Wan Kenobi, I can't wait. That technology that they did for The Mandalorian, that is amazing. So, yeah, on-set location filming, I think, is becoming less and less necessary. Uh, but when that happens, the performer needs to be more imaginative. If you're, a cold, if you're in a cold environment, you got to remember to be cold. If it's a hot, sweaty environment, you gotta be swatting flies every once in a while. So, um, I think motion capture, when you get experienced at it, and you start to remember those little details, and that brings the realism to the audience that that uh, I think we're still gonna need. But as far as the technology is going, I have no idea where they're going with it, but I'm sure it's gonna keep keep going. Yeah. Okay, so we're going for Daniel from Gateway. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Uh, really sorry, I'm a bit late. Um, obviously, you've just talked about motion capture and the possibilities. Do you feel that this has helped you uh, adapt in such a way that you can improvise a bit more and uh, bring sort of a little more, a bit more element of yourself into the character? Absolutely. You know, uh, I mean, some, some, like I said, some studios do it differently. Um, but, uh, yeah, the performer can really bring in a lot, a lot more nuances of their own personal personality, if you will. But again, it depends on the script, you know, you work with the script you're given, uh, and, uh, you know, you can complain and argue with it, but, you know, that usually doesn't bode well, you know, <laughs> we've all got jobs to do, so it's our job to do them. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I think uh, there's a lot of freedom. Performance capture lends a lot of freedom. To, the, to all aspects of the performance, absolutely. So thanks very much, guys. That was the last question for Roger. Thank you, guys. Thanks for your time. Just, I think your favourite lines, maybe a couple of them, if possible. If possible. Well, I remember one line I really liked was, uh, you know, uh, we're... Uh, oh, gosh, how did it go again? It's, it's Arthur talking to John. He's saying, you know, I was the prize pony once, but... This life, this way, well, we're the last, I reckon, and we ain't long for it. Because Arthur knew that the, the Wild West was coming to an end, and I, that's a big source of conflict in Red Dead 2. Uh, because some people acknowledge that that this way of life is coming to an end, and other people can't, can't acknowledge that. And that causes a lot of strife. Uh, but Arthur saw the writing on the wall. And, uh, yeah, that's, one of my, that's my favorite line. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
So that was the interview with Roger Clark. Next up, we have Rob Whitehoff, who plays John Marston, who, of course, was the main character in the first one and was a secondary character in the second game. Talk to him about sort of coming back and how it felt to be back in the franchise. Again, a roundtable interview, so there's various people asking questions here. Here's the interview with Rob. How did it feel um, returning to the character of John Marston? Oh, wow. Um, really, really great to be back with so many familiar faces, people that I enjoyed working with so much the first time around. And, uh, of course, Undead Nightmare 2. Yeah. That, that was a lot of fun. Um, but I was going back to, to work with and hang out with friends, and and I really enjoyed that. My character was very different. It was, um, you know, young John, obviously, was very different than what you see at the end of Red Dead Redemption. And and that was fun. It was a bit of a challenge uh, in a way because I was I was always told John is never he's never going to back down from anyone ever. He's not afraid of anyone at all. And I thought, yeah, that's great. I love that. That's so cool and so, you know, empowering as an actor to know that that's that's the personality of the person you're playing. Um, but then, you know, Arthur Morgan and, and so many other people, too, just didn't give John a whole lot of respect. And John just kind of had to take it. And I thought, this is very different, you know, and uh, I enjoyed it. It was a challenge. Um, but I can say that when I was younger, when I was a freshman in high school, my sister was a senior in high school. And I always looked up, of course, to the older older people, as we do, you know, and I would always try to crack jokes and try to fit in with them. And they'd always kind of look at me like, no, man. And I thought, oh, I'm so frustrated because I want to be cool like you. I want the respect you all get. And so I related to that. And so that helped a lot. But, of course, it was great to be back with Rockstar. Really, really cool. Obviously talented, inspiring people. So enjoyed it a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, next is Russell from Red Carpet News. That would be me. Um, it's amazing to have you with us. Um, I think, obviously, Red Dead is a phenomenon. It would be interesting to hear um, why you think that is, and given that we've had very exciting news in the last day or so that the franchise is officially continuing, that's now been confirmed by the CEO of Take-Two, uh, where are you hoping that phenomenon goes to next? What are you hoping for from the future titles? Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Of course, I'm, I'm enjoying every second of it. It's been great here. I'm so happy to be here. Um, and, you know, it's, it is kind of wild, I, I guess, because of the history of Rockstar and their success. Uh, probably people just assumed, I'll buy this game if it's made by Rockstar. It's probably good. I don't know that anybody assumed that it would be loved as much as it is, but I think... You know, it's because of the writers, because of the everyone involved. I promise you, when you're on the set and you're around these people, they're all not only very talented, but they're very um, encouraging, not only to the actors, but to each other. And it's a really cool environment where they all feed off of each other. And it's a very inspiring place to be. So one of the things that the director would say to me, you know, when I would talk to him about, you know, what how does that look when you guys have meetings and you talk about what you're going to shoot the next time we get together and you're scheduling everything out, whatever. He said that Rockstar, every time they make a game, they try to make not only the best video game that they can based off of 
previous games that they've ever made or whatever, but they want to make the very best video game that has ever existed every time they make a game. So when you have people with that in, that intention and people with that kind of teamwork and uh, capability, I think it's, it's possible to do what it did. And I think that's really why. So um, as far as, as the franchise goes, I would love more than anything to be able to play John Morrison for as long as they want me to be. I, I promise you I enjoy every second of it. Um, having said that, I don't know um, which what time frame it would be. I don't know. I don't have any information that you don't have, by the way. So um, however they do it, though, we know that people love the franchise and whether John's part of it or not, I'll still be excited about it. Um, of course I want to be part of it, you know, but um, we'll just see and, and be excited because I'm sure it's going to blow us all away again. Great. Okay. And next is Ryan Parrish from Geek Brony. Hi. Um, so there's been a quite a lot of uh, video game adaptation movies recently and some questionable cash decisions on some of them, you can say that. If there was a Red Dead Redemption movie, would you hope that you'd be in the role? <laughs> of course I would. Yes, of course I would hope that. And I think, you know, it's uh, the thing about video games that a lot of people don't understand is that, especially recently, a lot of the the performance is actually performance capture. So, some people just assume that we're all in a, a sound booth and we're doing the voices of these characters that are animated or what we actually walk around and perform the scene. So um, I don't look like John Marston, but every movement you saw him do every in same with Arthur Morgan, Michael Bell, any of them, those were actual people on a stage doing that acting. So if uh, you know, unless you want to say that one of us doesn't look tough enough or whatever, I think people appreciate the performances that they received through Red Dead Redemption, Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, when people say, who would you like for me to be cast as your character? I think I'd like a shot at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, otherwise, I don't know. Anybody, anybody, whatever, do it, do your thing and enjoy it. It's, it's a really cool role. And uh, my goodness, who would be the best at it? I don't know. Hopefully me, if they ever do it. Thank you. Thank you. And next is Daniel Delargy from Greek Pride, Geek Pride. Kind of throwing all over the place. <laughs> Hello. Uh, so, talked a lot about uh, adaptations and uh, the brand or franchise. Um, did you have, did you expect to come back? Did you expect to come back after the first game? No, I didn't. <laughs> well, and I don't know. I'm sorry. Is that your full question? Do you have more? Uh, no. Okay. Well, so um, I guess I guess I don't. I think the game's been out for almost 15 years now. Maybe it has. But Red Dead Redemption has an ending, which was pretty final for for the character that I played. And so I thought, you know, it would be really cool. Then. It wasn't long after we finished Red Dead Redemption that we started working on Undead Nightmare, which is a DLC and much smaller. But, um, you know, when that was done, I thought that's really probably the end of it. Like the DLC was kind of a surprise to me. 
and there's no guarantee. And I, I, like I said before, I don't get any more information than anybody else does until it's the time to get it started. And then I know, but, um, for me, it's speculation just like anyone else. But I really thought, you know, that was the end of it for me. And I enjoyed the opportunity that I had up until that point and was very appreciative appreciative of it. But I got a call out of the blue from the director, and he asked me if I was interested in doing more work. So when we did Undead Nightmare, there was a guy, and I can't remember what his name was or which GTA he was even from, but one of the playable characters to a previous GTA game came and did a role that was very unlike what he did in GTA. But it was kind of like a, hey, come back and just work for three or four days with us. Just do it one more time. It'll be fun. Almost like a weird cameo kind of thing, but not whatever it was. It was just like, come back, work on this, be a crazy character character, and enjoy it, have fun. And so when they called me, I thought, that's for sure what's going on. They're going to have me come in and play some role that's got nothing to do with John or Red Dead Redemption. Anyway, found out it was a prequel and ended up working for way longer on Red Dead Redemption 2 than I ever did on Red Dead Redemption and Undead Nightmare combined. So uh, I guess never say never. Um, but who knows? And, and again, whatever they come up with for to continue this franchise, I'm sure will be great whether I'm part of it or not. But uh, I'm back in that same boat now where, I, yeah, I don't think that I'll probably be there. I don't know how I would, but we'll see. That's all we have time for. So, well, thank you so much for your time today. Yes. I really appreciate yes. it. Thank you. Is it possible to do one or two, a couple of few lines? Yeah, like your favorite, just very short one. Uh, yeah, that's okay with you guys. Very short. Yeah. One minute. Okay. One minute. <laughs> so, looking at you then, um, people don't forget, nothing gets forgiven. Um, I just wrote a bunch down, actually. My <laughs> Something like this is going to happen. I tried to do one the other day, and I completely flubbed it. I'm going to try it again right now. Let's see if I do any better now. Uh, some trees flourish. Others die. Some cows grow old. Others get taken by the wolves. Some men are born rich enough and dumb enough to enjoy their lives, Abigail. Ain't nothing fair. I got it. I actually got it. <laughs> That's the Red Dead uh, 3 audition tape. Wish you the best of luck. We'll be in touch if you get the part. That was the interview with Rob Whitehoff. Next up, we have Peter Bloomquist, who played the main antagonist in Red Dead Redemption 2, Mika Bell. He's a lovely, wonderful guy and really couldn't be more opposite from uh, the character he plays in the game at all. He was great to sit down and chat with. Uh, so here's the interview with Peter, who played Mika Bell in Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> Lovely to have you here. Uh, where was who was your inspiration for Mika when you sort of find that character? It's uh, a good question. I've been asked that a couple of times, and I do not have a very clear answer. Meaning, uh, I don't. Um, I didn't draw specifically from uh, from any particular source. Um, so when I came into uh, to do the character. Uh, I didn't know how far Micah was going to go, if that he was going to end up doing what he eventually does. 
so I was given a little bit of information at a time. So I just um, let my brain go like that and uh, just made some choices. And the director was like, yeah, that's, those seem to be working. Uh, so <laughs> just the twisted parts of my brain is where I went into <laughs> to uh, come up with uh, the character. Good. Thank you. Brilliant. Um, next up, we've got Lewis Payne from Rockstar Games. Hey, Sid. How's it going? Great to be here. Yeah, yeah. Um, one question I've got for you is, working on Red Dead Redemption 2, um, what were your expectations of playing Mike as And how well do you think his character fit in the Red Dead series? Hmm. Um, well, my expectations going in, uh, I had... Um, very little, very few expectations, uh, because at first, uh, with the beginning of the job, I ha had no idea the extent uh, of the game, the scope of the game, um, and it was only after, you know, as the weeks went on and then the months went on, went on working on it, and we realized, oh my God, this is like a big thing uh, that's happening here, much bigger than we thought, and uh, and of course. I knew right off the bat that Micah was not all okay up in his head. Uh, and that uh, as the months and then years went on, it became clear that he, what his role was eventually going to be. Uh, but that kind of unfolded as we went, as we went along. Uh, so in a way it was a bit of an organic process. Um, so yeah. Does that answer the question? Yeah. Did I answer it? Okay. <laughs> Next up, Russell from Red Carpet News. That would be me. Russell. Uh, again, brilliant to have you with us. Um, Thank you. I guess two questions. The first one is the big one, which is why do you think that Red Dead is both the gaming and the pop culture phenomenon that it so clearly is? Mm. And the second part of that, obviously, we've recently had the exciting confirmation that uh, the franchise is going to continue. Uh, CEO of Take-Two has confirmed we're definitely getting more in that world. Uh, do you have particular excitement, particular uh, hopes for where the rest of the series may take us? Well, to answer the first part uh, regarding why why I think um, Red Dead became as popular as it is in today's culture, and you know uh, why people latched onto it, that's a good question. Um, obviously, uh, Rockstar puts a lot of time uh, and effort and detail into the stuff that they come out with. And so uh, a lot of it is because uh, this was this is a game unlike, as far as I'm concerned, any other game in that in that realm. Uh, the vastness of it, the open world, the fact that uh, the actions that you may take may have consequences down the line uh, that you don't even realize until until later. Um, and I think, and especially during lockdown time, I would hear this from, uh, from fans, um, that it became a, a genuine uh, way of escaping, of basically getting out of the house when, you know, you, you couldn't otherwise. Uh, and uh, you could feel like you have this other life. And it wasn't just about, you know, killing people. You could just ride your horse around the mountains and go peacefully fishing and hunting. And, and people would do that for hours and hours and, and, and get enjoyment out of that. Um, regarding the second part, I, I have no idea. Um, I, I haven't heard anything. Um, so 
yeah, I, I wish I could answer more of that question or answer it at all, but I don't know. I don't know. I guess you don't know what's going to happen, but is, is there things that you'd like to see? Are there things that having been part of that world, is there the parts of it you think could be explored more in terms of the characters or just the general setting? I think that there could always be uh, more to explore in that world because it's so vast and it's, it's, it's uh, you know, such a great environment and they, they created such a, uh, you know, phenomenal setting and spent so much time on it. Uh, it, it would be great to be able to spend more time uh, in that world or even an expanded version of it. So, I'd play it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best I could give you, I think. Yeah. Okay, really guys. I think we do have a couple more minutes. We've got an F time here. Okay. So, we'll have a second question. Um, you mentioned on stage yesterday, and just now, that, that you have... Uh, you don't get like all the script. You don't even necessarily know where the story is going either. How, how difficult is that as an actor to approach where you've kind of been given this sort of character, but you've got no idea where any of it's going? Right. Um, well, <clears throat> we would get enough, just enough to certainly work on to be able to understand the scene we're doing as far as the far reaching effects of, uh, of that or way, where it may lead uh, way further down uh, in the game. You know, we might not know that, but um, I, I feel like we were also given um, maybe some information about where something may lead to down the line, although we may not have seen, seen the script directly, uh, but they would give us enough to, to, to give us uh, a path. And then you know, what, what, what was required of us often was to basically roll with it, make choices as actors, come up with our justifications and reasons for doing what we're doing, and then counting on uh, Rockstar and the director to say, hmm, maybe you feel this way about something. Maybe you want to move in this direction. We go, okay, and do that. That's what, that's good. That's, that's going to work. Yeah. And then, then we would do that until it, it made sense. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> We have got a question from someone straight down. But think that's all right. Yeah. Just quick, yeah. Quick, yeah. Quick, yeah. Day 137, you asked, says, we know about Roger and observation experiences on set without Tim and Dan relevant characters. But did you also find it emotional playing Micah Bell with him being a storyline's antagonist? <laughs> um, uh, probably very different than their answers. Um, you know, for me, <clears throat> Micah was, I had a lot of fun playing Micah because it's fun to be, um, you know, an asshole with, <laughs> and, and not really any consequences. It's not fun to be an asshole in real life. But to do a, a pretend one, um, it, it was great fun. And, um, you know, and it did become quite uh, intense, especially towards the end. Uh, uh, and, and, of course, the final um, scene with Arthur uh, and Micah. Um, uh, and, you know, I think physically it took a lot out of me. Uh, emotionally, though, um, it was, a, in a way, a wonderful little escape into a messed up part of my own head. <laughs> and then at the end of the day, it's gone. It's done. So there you go.
Thank you. So that was the interview with Peter Bloomquist. Next up, we move out from under Red Dead Redemption and uh, on to another huge franchise, arguably one of the biggest in the world, Star Wars, where there was a stage panel with Ian McDermott, who, of course, you will probably all know, played Emperor Palpatine in Star Wars. I can't play out the whole panel because we're not allowed to do that. So I've got three separate clips from the panel with him talking about various things that he did on Star Wars. The first one is Ian talking about how he first landed the role. You probably know this now, but I met George very briefly one lunchtime with Richard Markland, and I didn't know they were looking for an emperor. I, you know, they thought they already had one, but the actor whom they cast um, was much older than I then was, probably about the age I am now, and he couldn't take the contact lenses. So um, they couldn't go ahead, and they suddenly needed an emperor. And the casting director had seen me play an old person, actually, Howard Hughes, in a play in a small theatre in London. And so she said to George, this guy's in his late 30s, but he can probably be convincing as an old man. So George took her word for it. And uh, over that lunchtime, and we just chatted about the weather as far as I could remember, he decided... um, that I was good for the part and you know the rest, but I never imagined it would go on for, well, a long saga. And the last time, of course, they asked me to rejoin was the biggest surprise of all because I thought I was dead. I think you all thought I was dead, but you shouldn't have really, and nor should I, because he's very clever, this guy. Um, Obviously, he had a backup plan. He knew someone might, might try to destroy him. So he had a whole system in place a kind of private hospital where various terrible things were injected into his body in order to keep him alive. And you saw a bit of that in the movie. Actually, there was a bit more of it in the script and we filmed a bit more, but we didn't want to make it too gruesome. And I had this wonderful machine, which um, also kept him going. Um, It moved around the studio. It was operated by about five people. I was well strapped in and I could fly and that word again, zoom all around the studio, come in close to the other actors or get right above them on the ceiling. Um, So that was exciting. So that was Ian talking about how he landed the role. The next clip is him talking about uh, what I think every person that involved in Star Wars once is talking about how it felt getting a lightsaber. Yeah, well, everybody gets thrilled to have their own lightsaber. I was slightly disappointed. I thought, Palpatine with a lightsaber? He doesn't need one. It's all in his fingers. But of course he wasn't, you know, he was Palpatine there, but he wasn't the Emperor, so he had to start somewhere. And of course, clearly, he was a master swordsman too. A master swordsman, I ain't. Especially when faced with the brilliance of Ewan and Hayden, as I told you about early on. Uh, But of course, I had to rehearse and do it up to a point. And um, I had a very brilliant stunt double who looked a bit like me too, so that was helpful. So he did most of the work, obviously. But, you know, I had to do all the stuff for the close-ups. And Sam was very patient, especially when I hit him a couple of times (laughs) inadvertently. He was very good, as you might imagine. And the last clip we have with Ian is him talking about his favourite Palpatine scene. The scene in the opera 
old ballet, I think it was, where I finally persuade, seduce Anakin to the dark side. He's almost trapped by the logic of what the Emperor says. It's also one of the longest dialogue scenes, I think, in the Star Wars movie. So it gives me, as an actor, an opportunity to develop that particular trope. I love acting with him anyway, so that was a, a sort of bonus. We did it on a very strange Friday afternoon in Australia. Uh, and usually Friday afternoons in Australia, as everywhere else, you know, people, well, in Australia, they can't wait to get to the beach, really, you know, for the weekend. It was also the first assistant director's birthday, and a little gold person was in the background with a trolley with champagne on it, and, you know, obviously it was going to come in at some point, and I could hear the glasses rattling. The producer, who was always on his mobile phone, that kept going off, and there was a cordoned-off area, which is sort of called the Video Village, where people and their guests from outside would watch the scene being filmed. I'd also that afternoon done a lot of work where my voice changes into the Emperor's voice, so I was a bit hoarse. And I said to George, well, it's four o'clock on Friday, you know, I'll do my best, but isn't this one that could wait till Monday? He said, no, well, we'll just do it, you know, and we can do it again on Monday if it doesn't work. And so my voice was a bit hoarse. If you ever want to replay that, you'll see that. And I said to George, I, were you worried about the voice? He said, no, Ian, no, it's great. It sounds as if he's in transition. Transition from, I suppose, the Chancellor to the evil man. And we did it 20 times, and we never rehearsed it. We'd never gone through the lines. There wasn't time. He was always busy. If he wasn't filming, he was rehearsing fights with you and so on. And it was a long scene, but we just did it. And despite the fact that the producer's mobile phone went off about four times and you never stop, it went relatively well. So we did 20 takes and all of them were fine. And at the end of the day, he said, well, we're coming back on Monday, but we finished the stuff on you and now we'll be on Hayden. So it was a strange and remarkable day. But as I said before, the real reason I like that scene is because what it does to the relationship between the later Emperor and the later Darth Vader, it cements it. It provides him with no avenues to escape. So those are the three clips that we have with Ian. There will be some other clips going up on YouTube as well. There will be different for this, so you can go and find those on YouTube. They're going up later this week, so go and check out youtube.com forward slash geektown for those. Now we'll move on to some highlights for next week on TV. So, highlights for next week. We have Tiger King returning for a second season. That's on the 17th of November. Um, I mean, the first season was a huge phenomenon. I'm really looking forward to seeing where they go with the second season of that. But that's on Netflix on the 17th of November. That's Tiger King season two. Over on Star on Disney Plus, we have Marvel's Hitmonkey, which is another animated series that's coming on the 17th of November as well, which is uh, about a high profile political assassination which goes wrong and the injured hitman hides out amongst a tribe of snow monkeys in the mountains in Japan. Sounds wonderfully bonkers, but uh, that's Marvel's Hitmonkey that's coming to Star on Disney Plus on the 17th of November. We have Riverdale returning also on the 17th of November. That's on Netflix for season six. And we have Work in Progress, the second season of that, to returning to Sky Comedy on the 17th of November at 9pm, if you want to go and see that. Over on Sky Max, we have Dan Brown's The Lost 
last symbol, which is, of course, based on the Dan Brown novels. That is coming to Skymax on the 18th of November. That's at 9pm. Over back on Netflix on the 19th of November, we have Cowboy Bebop, which is the live-action version of the worldwide phenomenon, which is the animated series. So that's uh, Cowboy Bebop. That's coming on the 19th of November. That looks like it could be really interesting. Also over on Amazon Prime on the 19th of November, Wheel of Time, which is this epic fantasy series based on the Robert Jordan novel series. That looks good. I've seen a few clips from that. It looks like that's going to be a great show. So uh, go and check that out. That's Wheel of Time, season one coming to Amazon Prime on the 19th of November. Over on YouTube, randomly, uh, although it is airing a couple of days later on E4, Games Master, the revival of the cult classic TV gaming show. That is back. There have been a few videos and stuff of that floating around. It does look really, really good. They've got Trevor McDonald doing the uh, Games Master role this time around, replacing the wonderful Sir Patrick Moore. That's coming to YouTube on the 21st of November, and then I think it's coming on the 23rd or a couple of days later on E4 if you want to catch it on TV instead. But uh, that's Games Master, the revival that is back. Over on Stars Play on the 21st of November, we have Power Book 2 Ghost. Season 2 of that lands over on there. That's on the 21st of November. And back on Netflix, Masters of the Universe Revelation, which is the Kevin Smith limited series. That is returning for the part two of that. That is on the 23rd of November. And that's Masters of the Universe Revelation that lands on there. That's everything we've got for you this week. Uh, I'm not sure whether we're back for a normal show next week or whether it's going to be more interviews. It depends how exhausted I am after I come back from Wales Comic Con next weekend. We'll see. It will be either a normal show or another set of interviews. For other people, of course, throughout the week, you can go and look for Bex over on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites, who is streaming daily and also various evenings. So lots of fun and games over there. For more podcasts, you can go and find Matt over on entertainmenttalk.org for lots and lots of stuff over there, including the Walking Dead World Beyond podcast which we're doing over there and for daryl you can go and find him at hollywoodnorthnews.net for all the tv series you love which are shot in canada for us throughout the week you can go to geektown.co.uk to see the all the latest air dates and lots and lots more news if you want to get in touch with your questions or comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that is everything we shall see you again next week bye bye imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.